Starting Saturday, 11th of September, Season 2 of Author Question Time on Ross Jeffrey's YouTube channel. Join Bram Stoker Award-nominated author Ross Jeffrey alongside co-hosts T.C. Parker and Kev Harrison as they discuss books, writing and creativity with huge names in horror and dark fiction like Josh Malaman and Alan Baxter, alongside some of the most exciting new voices on the indie scene such as Eric LaRocca, Hayley Piper and Laurel Hightower. Come, bring your questions, join in the conversation. Don't Break the Oath is the fourth volume of the Women in Horror anthologies from Candisha Press. Featuring a foreword from the VP of the HWA, Megan O'Curry, and stories from 23 women from all around the world. Candles will burn as we speak our dark oath. Edited by Jill Girardi and Janine Pipe. Don't Break the Oath will be out in ebook and paperback on Halloween. Thank you. In Twisted Chains of Tales, Splatterpunk Award nominated author Janine Pipe delivers urban legends, supernatural stories, and a few surprises. Mixing flash fiction and short tales, you can be sure this book is twisted and perfect for Halloween. Featuring a forward by Glenn Rolfe and clubs from Brian Keane, Hunter Shea and Tim Meyer. Available on Amazon. Thank you. Looking for your next horror writing podcast fix? The This Is Horror podcast for readers, writers and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice, tips and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors. This is Horror Podcast. Listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet. Over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Welcome to Dead Headspace Spotlights, a mini episode where we have a brief conversation with our writers and we follow that up with a reading. My name is Patrick R. McDonough, and joined always by my co host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And today we are talking to the author of Where the Dead Go to Die, amongst many other titles, Mark Allen Gunnold. Say hi, Mark. Hello out there, everybody. What are you going to be reading to us, and and why? Uh, I'm going to be reading from Where the Dead Go to Die, the novel that I co-wrote with Aaron Dries, because I hear it is a particular favorite of someone. 
and uh, Brennan. So uh, I've chosen a little section to read from that. Excellent. Um, Brennan, I believe you have a really good question about the publisher. <laughs> so, Mark, you, you have a pretty good relationship with Crystal Lake Publishing. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, very early on when Crystal Lake was just getting started, they had like an open sub window for authors. And a friend of mine, Harper Hall, encouraged me to submit to them. Um, but I was a, a little hesitant because you didn't submit your work to them. You had to pitch yourself. You had to send them a pitch on yourself as a writer, but nothing of your work. And um, I'm very confident in my work, but not very confident in my ability to sell myself. So I found the whole thing a little daunting, but um, my husband and my friend Harper really kept encouraging me. So at the very last minute, I um, I finally finished the pitch and sent it in. And um, they liked it enough. They asked to see some of my work. And then they published uh, my first book with them was a collection called um, Flowers in a Dumpster. And, uh, and I've been working with them ever since. I, I really enjoy working with Joe over there, Crystal Lake. That is that I, I've never heard of that, but that's the most intimidating thing I've ever heard. Having to sell yourself and yeah. you know pitch your character and your, um, yeah. I, I guess what what you would define yourself as a writer, as opposed to just saying, "Here's my work, like it or don't." Whew. Yeah, I, I'm much more comfortable with that approach. Just let the work speak for itself. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was there were all these different things you had to send them and compare yourself to different writers and talk about your strategies for promotion and things like that. And so, yeah, it was kind of scary, but it was worth it because like I said, I, I love working with them. It's one of the best publishers out there right now, I think. And Joe Meinhardt is a really good guy. We had him on uh, in the first season of, of Deadhead Space. Really, really just kind human being and a pleasure to talk to. So, Mark, you got roped into reading uh, from this book because, you know, Patrick made a special request. But um, I was wondering if you if you have somebody listening to this episode who has never checked out anything that you've written before, where would you recommend that they start? Such a hard question because I write so many different types of things. So usually if somebody asks me where they want to start, I always ask what are you in the mood for? Short stories, novels, ghost stories, flashers, things like that. But um, I write a lot of short stories and I have a lot of short story collections out. So I sometimes recommend they start with one of those, Flowers in a Dumpster, Bookhaven, um, the, the Daylight Will Not Save You, um, because that'll give you a wide range. Um, I published a novel uh, earlier this year called uh, 2B, which is a haunted apartment novel that I think is is very strong, and I think that might be a good place to start as well. Excellent. Now, um, as far as you know, just we we won't dive too deep in here, but you know, you you said that your writing originated, or you have said that your writing originated as you know, short one page Twilight Zone knockoffs. So. I wonder how you feel about you know now as as a seasoned writer uh, writing longer form pieces versus just returning to short fiction. Um, short fiction has always been my first love. 
um, and maybe in some ways my truest love. Um, but as I have gotten older and have gotten more experience as a writer, I do enjoy the challenge of longer stuff. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to be the writer of epic doorstop novels. It's just not what interests me. And it's not, um, I think, where my talent lies. Um, but I do enjoy writing novels and novellas and sort of expanding a world and really getting into the characters. But I'm always going to go back to short stories because there's just something, a thrill it gives me that nothing else does. In my office, I have one contract framed and you are in the table of contents. Um, it's when, let's see, what year? It was 2019 um, with Crystal Lake. I got Joe's digital signature on there with mine. And uh, that was a big deal because that was my first sale ever. And that was with the Shallow Waters uh, flash fiction anthology. And I paid attention to that one. And the ones afterwards, I don't know what number he's at, but I was in two of them. And your name is in, I'm pretty sure, every single one of them. You, you write a lot of flash fiction, too, it seems like. I do. I like flash fiction. I like that concentration of a, of a it's like a real, just a quick punch of a story. Um And I also, I write a lot of flash fiction, like if I'm writing a novel and I'm getting kind of stuck. I'll like take a break and write like some flash fiction because it bolsters my confidence because, you know, it's something I can write in one sitting and it gives me a sense of accomplishment. And then it kind of, I feel more confident to go back to the novel. So I do have a lot of flash fiction. <laughs> That's fair. So where the dead going to die. You and Aaron drives wrote this. How did you two meet? Uh, we met at the world horror convention, the year that it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been, I was friends with him on Facebook, but we had never really interacted. Um, but right before I went to the world horror convention, I read his novel house of size and loved it. So I was very excited to like actually meet him in person and get to talk to him. And we just sort of, we hit it off. Uh, we had a lot in common, um, just personally and with writing and we talked a lot then and Right after the World Horror Convention, he read my novella, Asylum, and he just started telling me, you know, maybe we should work together on something. And I I liked that idea. He brought me the idea for Where the Dead Go to Die. It didn't have a title at the time, but um, he gave me the bare bones of the idea he had, and we just sort of went from there. It was It went pretty fast, and it was a really good experience. So, okay, we've heard from Aaron's side, too, um, because when we had him on uh, for the first season's finale, he told us all about it because I asked as many questions as I have for that. Um, So that's interesting. I didn't know where you guys met. Now, uh, for me, why I – and I normally don't request what people read, but – I think this is a really powerful book. It's very special. And especially for me personally, being a dad, like, uh, I'll leave it at this. It's spoiler free, but being a dad, it especially struck me as unforgettable. And it, tell me to cut this if it ruins anything. I don't think it does, but it does something to zombies, a genre that I've never read before. And I'm kind of surprised that I haven't. 
Yeah, uh, Aaron, like I said, he had the, the basic idea and probably one of my favorite parts was he brought me the idea and then we just did these brainstorming sessions where we sort of just let the idea snowball and we wanted to talk about um, a lot of different things with using zombies as sort of the, the metaphor for it. But, you know, Aaron and I are both, you know, gay men. Um, I'm old enough that, you know, I came of age during the height of like the AIDS crisis. Um, and there's some of that in there. Um, and just a lot about the way we treat sick people um, with chronic conditions in this country. I'm making it sound like it's, you know, some very, it's, it's a fun, exciting novel, but, um, but we wanted to weave a lot of those issues in there and make it sort of emotional and heartfelt without being saccharine. And um, we actually had a lot of fun, even though the novel in some ways is very dark, it was a lot of fun using zombies in that way to talk about, you know, real issues happening in the world around us. Sure. Yeah. Um, besides that, you said you're going to read a Mama Metcalf. That I can't talk. Part. Metcalf. Metcalf. <laughs> Sorry. Brain, brain no worky. Um, why? I know why, but for someone that hasn't listened to this, hasn't read it, rather, why? Well, first of all, Mama Metcalf is probably my favorite character, and she was the most fun to write. But um, she's also, I mean, she was a 100% creation of mine because she's based partly on my mother and partly on my mother-in-law. Um, and that was Aaron when I, like a lot of stand-up comedians, I tell a lot of stories about my mother because she's hilarious, but she doesn't know it. <laughs> and he was like, you need to make a character who's basically your mother. He even did an illustration of the character in the book and he basically just drew my mother. But um, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun putting that in there because I'll, some of the things she says and the stories she tells are just verbatim stories that my mother or my mother-in-law told. And it's usually the ones that seem the least likely that are actually the real stories that they told. So I just had so much fun. And for a dark novel, you need a little levity sometimes. Um, and I think that character provides that. And I just really like her character. It, she's funny, but she can be poignant. And that's why I wanted to read something from her. Fantastic. Brennan, I got nothing else because I want to hear this. You got anything else, man? No, we can jump right in. That's fine with me. Take it away, Mark. Okay. This comes a little late in the novel. It is uh, Christmas time. And um, the main character, Emily, and her daughter, um, Lucette go to spend Christmas with Mama Metcalf, who Emily works with at this um, hospice where they are treating people who have been infected with the zombie virus um, and are waiting to turn and die. So this is at the end of the night, Christmas time, when they are hanging out at Mama Metcalf's house. Emily sipped from her cup, the spiced eggnog tickling her in all the right ways and looked at the wrapper wreckage at their feet. Mama Metcalf had given them half a dozen presents each. Some of them were interesting, to say the least, like the decorative plate that depicted the birth of Hiawatha, for example. 
Regardless, the woman's generosity was touching. They stayed until half past nine, then gathered up their bounty, put on their coats, and got ready to head out into the cold. Lucette was more tired than she was letting on. It had been a big day, though not half as harrowing as the Christmases leading up to it. Anniversaries, birthdays, holidays. Each flick of their paper calendar pages cut like a razor when the one person you longed to share them with was dead. They said time healed all wounds when in fact it only numbed the creeping spread of gangrene. It saddened Emily to think how grateful she was for even this minor reprieve. At the doorway, Mama Metcalf touched her shoulder and said, You know, about a year ago, I thought I had flesh-eating virus on my face. Emily had gotten used to the woman's out-of-the-blue non-sequiturs, but this was particularly bizarre and actually stunned her silent for a moment. Um, excuse me? Yeah, I got these blisters and rash on the side of my face, on my left cheek, and down under my chin. I wasn't sure what it was, but then I saw this news story about an outbreak of flesh-eating virus in Africa or somewhere like that. I started to worry that I got it, so I went to see my doctor. Turned out it was just a case of the shingles. Biting her bottom lip to keep from laughing, Emily strained to understand what this story had to do with anything. Well, I'm glad it turned out not to be anything serious. Exactly, Mama Metcalf said in a triumphant tone that suggested the meaning of the story should now be clear. Mama Metcalf touched her shoulder again. I ain't asking no questions because it ain't my business, but it's obvious you got something in your past that still haunts you, and you carry a sadness with you wherever you go. I'm just saying that you should remember that sometimes what seems like a flesh-eating virus turns out to only be a case of the shingles. Thank you, Emily mumbled. I mean, for everything. Wasn't nothing. Remember, you and the youngin promised to come visit me on New Year's. Yes, please, Lucette said, swinging the plastic grocery bag full of her gifts. Emily looked up to meet Mama Metcalf's eyes. Definitely. On the drive home, taking it extra slow on the icy roads, Emily thought about what the old woman had told her. Mama Metcalf meant well with her homespun advice, but she didn't know Emily's secrets. Sometimes the rash turned out to be flesh-eating virus after all, and the wound was growing more septic by the day. Before you uh, did your reading, you know, you you were talking about how Mama Metcalf was your creation. And I think that's so cool because I remember reading this book and thinking that it was such a nice, seamless blend of voices, you know, as any good collaboration should be. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing, you know, your something that the average reader might not understand is your contribution to the overall product and, you know, just giving us a little background, a little insight on, you know, what went in from your end. Um, and, you know, I'll echo Patrick. I, I love this novel. And I think you and Aaron did such a tremendous job of creating something that's entertaining and terrifying. And if you really wanted to read it as surface, surface level horror, you could go in and be, you know, creeped out and and scared. But there's there's layers to it. And the commentary that the two of you added in there is it's it's deep and it's meaningful um it, it, and it's i don't know it just strikes me as as such an a neat book as far as really having something to say so 
kudos and you know thank you for sharing that with us thank you very much so i'm just curious did your <laughs> did your mom tell you a story like that something similar the whole flesh eating virus thing um that actually comes from my mother-in-law <laughs> she she she's a self-diagnoser and there was a period where she had shingles and thought she might have flesh eating virus. Um, now my mother for Christmas one year did give me a decorative plate depicting the birth of Hiawatha. Um, as one does, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> explain that, but that happened. So I popped that in, there. but, uh, but yeah, so almost everything she talks about either came from my mother or my mother-in-law. So in some ways they're, they're responsible for that part of the book and not me. Did your husband or your mother's read this book? And if so, what were the reaction to it in general? And what was their reaction to the part that inspired that character? Um, my husband loves that book. Um, That's awesome. And he, he particularly enjoys <laughs> the use of our mothers because we... We enjoy our mother so much because they're both funny and don't know it mm -hmm. um, in different ways, but sort of similar. But um, now his mother hasn't read it. My mother read it and I debated for a while. And before I gave it to her, I did tell her that I modeled the character after her because I didn't want her to start reading it and then think like, oh, that's me. Um, and especially because there's a picture of her of the character in there that looks like her. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the weird thing is after she read it, I don't know that she would have even, sometimes she says things that I don't think she remembers them later. I don't know if she would have even recognized <laughs> that it was her. Um, I was just going to say, this is Aaron's, I don't know if it translates I can see his it. illustration, but that, that's my mother. He just awesome. took a picture of my mother, but, but yeah, so my mother liked the book, although she kept calling it where people go to die. Um, <laughs> never, <laughs> but um, she, she seemed to enjoy the story. But yeah, I, I think if I hadn't told her, she might not have even recognized, especially since it was blended with um, Craig's mother. So it, prob it probably wouldn't have even occurred to her. But again, I, I thought at the very least, she's going to see that picture and think that looks like me. But again, I don't. I don't. I think that just went over her head. That's hilarious. So, is there anything that you would like potential readers to know of this book that you would like to talk about now? Um. Well, you know, I'm very happy that. I mean, the book's been out for several years now, but still, periodically, people are still discovering it, and I'm still hearing from people, and that's very gratifying. So, um. You know, I know that some people have zombie fatigue. Um, I'm not one of them. I still love a good zombie story. But, you know, this story is very, it's not your traditional zombie story. Um, I think it, I think we really, and I feel like I can say this without sounding conceited because Aaron, you know, was such the driving force in some ways. I think we created something special, something that is, entertaining, something that is scary, something that's also emotional, something that's relevant. Um, 
and even has a few, you know, laughs in it here and there. So, and again, I credit Aaron with that a lot. He really, like, he had the initial idea, and I don't know, he sort of inspired me when we were working together. I think I, I walked away from this project a better writer. So even if you don't think you like zombie stories, give it a try. You might be surprised. That's fair. Now, Brennan, uh, you want to ask the Sino questions? Sure. So, uh, Mark, where can people follow you, find you online? Uh, I'm on Facebook a lot which I have been recently told by some of the younger people I work with is for old people, but it is the one I'm probably most active on. I have gotten very active on Twitter lately at Mark A. Gunnels. Um, and I do have an Instagram. It's make reading cool again. All I do is post pictures of books. Um, and I have my own blog, markgunnels.livejournal.com, which gets updated semi-regularly. Um, I, I like to interview a lot of writers on there or just talk about writing and my work. But um, those are the main places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and my blog. That's a nice. fair few. That's, that's a good spread. So, uh, Mark, what do you got in the pipeline? What can people uh, look, look forward to coming out in the near future? Um, well, I have a novella coming out next year with Crystal Lake Publishing um, called uh, When It Rains. Uh, which I wrote during the two months I was furloughed early last year at the beginning of the whole COVID thing. Um, when I just decided I was going to pretend I was a full-time writer just to keep myself sane. Um, and I wrote that during that two months and, uh, and Joe has that, we don't have an exact date, but it's coming out sometime next year. I'm also, I'm working on a novel called Lucid for, um, Bahala books. I'm working on a novella called Septic for a publisher that I can't announce yet. And I'm working on a short story collection called Tales from the Typewriter for another publisher. Um, I'm not sure if any of those will be out next year or not. Um, probably at least one of them will because I'm near finished with it. But um, but yeah, so that's that's basically what I got going on right now. Well, it certainly sounds like you're not bored. That's good. <laughs> Lots coming. Lots coming. That's great to hear. Patrick, uh, I'm throwing it to you. Yeah. Sorry, awkward pause there. Uh, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts, man? Anything you want to say? Any weird noises you might want to make? <laughs> um, I, I'll save the noises, but um, I will just say, you know, I just, I love writing. I love storytelling. Um, I love reading. I just love books so much. I have such an enthusiasm for it. Um, and I hope that translates when people read my stuff that they can see the joy I pour into it. Um, so I just encourage people, you know, find stories you love. If they're not mine, go find somebody else you love, celebrate authors, promote the books that you love. Just, I, I, I want to see more joy out there in the world related to literature and storytelling. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, also, literacies, you know, illiterates are still prevalent in the world, as crazy as that sounds. So what we do is hopefully kind of a battle against that. And we, 
we all like talking about it, so hopefully that helps. Um, next episode is going to be this upcoming Monday. It's a, uh, I'm calling a roundtable. Uh, it is focused on the anthology Body Shocks. They'll be with Ellen Datlow, Richard Cadry, Karen Warren, Livia Llewellyn, and there is one more. Oh, yeah, Nathan, I'm going to mess up. How do you say his last name, man? I'm just going to ask you, Brennan. I say Ballingrud, but I don't know if that's right at all. (laughs) Okay, so those are the people. Um, You know, buy this book, Where the Dead Go to the Die. Where the Dead Go to Die. I was thinking what your mom said, Where the Living Go to Die. Audio (laughs) listeners, Mark's holding up the book right now. It's Where the Dead Go to Die. It's been up for a few years, but so fucking good. It really is uh, one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. Check out his stuff. Mark comes out with something. Uh, I think this the first time I said this, it got cut because my software acted up. But um, I think you are as prolific as Lansdale and King. You really are. You come out with a few books a year, it seems like. But um, hats off to you on that, man. Thank you. It's what I love to do, so I'm always doing Good. Um, we will Perfect love to have, excuse. Yeah, we, we got to have you back on a, a full episode next year. And I'm trying to get a Southerner writer panel together. And it's probably going to be a few because there's a lot of awesome writers. So we'll be in touch, man, with that. Thank you for joining us, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. And Brennan, Absolutely, man. Brennan, as always, thank you, sir, for being here. Is there anything that you want to say, Brennan, before we sign out? Nope. Just want to thank Mark for his time. And, you know, I really do love that last sentiment of trying to, you know, just put his love of stories and storytelling, uh, channel it into his own writing and, you know, promote it that way. Dig it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us again. Stay tuned for next week and next episode. And uh, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. You are now leaving Deadhead Space.